is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. Hello, dear listener. I hope you are keeping safe and well. Now, today I'm interviewing a complete stranger, which is always a lovely challenge for me. And a good friend of mine, the lovely Becky Cobb, suggested that I interview Philip Cable. She described him as a complete inspiration. So I don't know whether he'd agree with that or not, but it's always nice to hear that about people. Now, Philip is the CEO and the co-founder of a company called MAST. And MAST is a company on a mission to make the world a safer place to live and work. So looking forward to hearing about that. But Philip's also got a fascinating background and career. He's worked in the Middle East. He's served in the Navy. And he also holds loads of academic qualifications in the area of law. So I can't wait to see how security and law and the Navy all fit together. Philip, you're there in your home office, it looks like. It's an absolute joy to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Yes, slightly blushing at your introduction there in terms of wondering if it was actually me you were talking about. Sure, it's certainly happy to happy to be here. Thank you. Well, it's lovely to meet you. We haven't met before. We've had a quick five-minute amble before we started recording. So this is two absolute strangers meeting for the first time. And I suggested to you that I was going to dig into your proudest moments, which is always tough for, for many of us to go there. So I can't wait to hear what you've come up with. So why don't we start with what I call the shake your pom-poms moment number one. And you let me know what you're proud of. I had to think about this last night. And I think the first thing that sprung to my mind was quite a pivotal moment in my life when I was training to be a solicitor. And I sort of realized early on at the age of 23, 24, it was a sort of early midlife crisis moment. And I took the risk and took the plunge to give the whole thing up against a lot of advice to the country at the time, because obviously it's a big commitment, isn't it, to study and, and all the rest of it, and to do what I'd always kind of wanted to do, which was something in the military. And I did my research, and it came down to, actually, I thought the Navy was going to be something that was would suit me. And I've got no background. I had no background in it at all. Born in Barking in East London, you know, it's not exactly close to the sea. No. The River Roding, but that's about it. <laughs> And and I think, you know, that that is a proud moment in, in many respects, because obviously many people joined the forces. You know, it was the timing of it, giving it up, what I was previously doing, 
it also came in a difficult personal time in my life because I'd only fairly recently lost my mother very suddenly. Oh, wow. And it was one of those sort of things where it all sort of came at once and I just felt like, you know, I needed to make that that break. And it was a risk. It really was a significant risk. But I think it was the right one looking back. And so I think joining the Navy and, you know, achieving certain milestones in the Navy, which didn't really come naturally to me in many respects. And I, I certainly, reading my reports back, which I kept, <laughs> They don't pull punches, you know. The, the the reports start with things like, you know, not a high flyer, not a natural seaman, but through sheer determination has achieved the aim. And so that, you know, looking back, it was a short career. It was only nearly six years. But you know, I do do feel a certain a certain pride at that, you know, having served my country. And it, it it's you know, it's something that I think that I'm I would recommend to anybody. I think it will set you up for life. So that's my sort of proud moment number one. Oh, there's so many bits in there that I'd love to just explore with you a bit more because it's interesting it was that way round. In my head, you were in the Navy first and then you studied law. I don't know why I thought that, but you studied law till the age of 23 and you got a master's, didn't you? You got That sort of came actually afterwards. You know, going back to sort of a bit of a potted history of me, which is sort of relevant, I didn't follow the normal academic route. I was a know-it-all at school, you know, thought I knew it all, obviously didn't, <laughs> left at 16. And then, then went into work in the city for a few years, then went back and realised that I should probably do A-levels, did a bit night school, then got to the sort of the, the law degree route. It was very difficult because, of course, being a solicitor, you do need to have very high levels of academic success, which I sort of half had. It wasn't quite perfect. So, yeah, I mean, it, that, and then and then I gave, gave it up and then I did the master's actually at the back end of my legal career. And I did it in maritime law because I thought that it would be sort of sensible to try and combine the two. So that's mm. sort of how it fitted together. So it's kind of going from one to the other and then back mm. again and, and blending them all together. But yeah. at 23, making that decision to give up. Was there lots of expectations around you coming from, you know, family and coming from teachers and, and, and what have you in terms of the decision that you made to give up? Well, I think that it, it's, you know, it's a little bit like starting a business or taking a plunge to do something that, you know, sometimes you just have to seize the initiative and seize the moment. There was a bit of pressure about that. Well, not so much from my father, who was always very supportive. But, you know, some friends and certainly people in the industry, you know, you're giving it up. You're newly qualified. You've got, you know, only sort of six to eight months to go. Look, once you give it up. But I, I spoke to a very close family friend of mine, a chap called Mick Vivian, not that that matters, but, you know, a real kind of East End character, very earthy character. And he was like, you know, go for it, boy. You know, it was that kind of. Yeah. And I thought, well, actually, yeah, why not? I could always come back to the law later. Whereas if you don't join the forces at a certain time, you've had it. You know, once yes. you're old, you, you can't you can't turn the clock back. So it was a mixed set of advice, but I think instinctively I felt, yeah, it was the right thing. So it's instinct-driven. There's something in you. Yeah, I think, you know, certain belief of, of wanting to, maybe wanting to serve sounds, but, but it was a little bit about wanting to serve the country, physically test you, travel the world, do the sorts of things that you just you just can't do in ordinary life. I mean, it's just as simple as that. There's no comparison to it. And all of those things, you know, despite the obvious difficulties and sacrifices, are true. And, and I, I certainly don't look back. So that, that does, I suppose, remain one of the proudest things I think I've, I've done. 
Yeah, huge. I mean, there's a huge amount of courage in there mm. to go from one thing to another. You know, the military <clears> is such a tough environment at one level because there's an L- a massive element of discipline. I haven't been there myself, I know. But I'm also interested to hear, obviously, in the middle of this transition, you've lost your mum. So how do you muster the courage to do something new when you've had such a huge loss? To be honest, it's sort of threaded through my background a bit and that sort of determination. And I think that some some people through adversity, you know, go one of two ways. For me, it was very difficult. It was prior to that decision. Things weren't going quite right in my career. The sort of legal thing wasn't quite right for me. I wasn't at home. It was a very, very sudden death of my mother. The brain hemorrhage, unfortunately, which is, you know, literally like the heart attack where you just hear one yeah. minute, gone the next. And she was only 54. So it was very sudden. But I think it sort of, in a way, galvanized my view that, you know, we have one life, you know, the sense of having to make the most of it. And it, it was a bit of a comfort in a way. I suppose it's a bit like when people of old used to join the Foreign Legion to run away from things. There was probably a bit of that. With what I was doing, it, mm. it felt like, right, I'm going to put myself to the test. And before the Navy, I then sort of joined the TA for a while. It was very tough. It was with the, the TA Parachute Regiment. Blimey. So I did all that stuff up to P Company. Unfortunately, I failed it. But, you know, in a sense, that's just part of the test. You know, sometimes you fail things and you have to just keep going. And unfortunately, I didn't meet the standard. But it was cathartic in some respects because it, it takes you out of your comfort zone. You, you, you know, you really have to sort of push the boundaries mm. and all of that I think it sort of took my mind off the the sort of obvious feelings of bereavement and loss that you you suffer from from losing a parent when you don't expect it do you ever get over that sense of bereavement and loss when it's happened so quickly I don't think you get over it as such I think you just get used to it and you learn to use it and to sort of reflect on it more I mean I do still get a little bit choked from time to time thinking about it even now yeah, I bet. But I think that you sort of, you, you, I, I tend to do things kind of in my mother's honour and I think, oh, well, she would have approved of that or she would have thought well of that. And I see that the same in my children in the sense of, you know, they, we're quite a musical family as well, which is a, quite at odds with perhaps being in the military, perhaps. I mean, so I've always been in musical theatre. My mother was a, my oh, late wow. mother was a, um, yeah, so I've always been on the stage at an amateur level, singing and, and what have you. My mother was a, classically trained singer and a pianist so and my children are sort of now becoming quite musical and I think I'm thinking oh she'd be very proud of that so I think you use loss to to help you move Mm. on in life actually and that's the way I've always approached it there's that sense of strength I suppose that you gain from that as well Mm. I mean just hearing you say that you're musical there's so many kind of dichotomies here in terms of everything that represents you in your life I was in the ship's band. I mean, that was oh, quite wow. fun. Yeah, yeah. And actually, bizarrely, actually, at the Britannia Royal Naval College, Dartmouth, which you don't necessarily associate with musicals, it was a bizarre period in our final term where we put on the production of Greece. And literally all of the, the, the officer cadets were amongst us. There was the, the band, the stage was created. One of my roommates was Kanicki. I was, you know, Danny Zuko. <laughs> you got the big Greece. role. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bizarre, but I've done that ever since. And I do believe, you know, I said it's sort of that eclectic kind of personality of doing lots of different things. I, I really believe in it. I don't I think that. you need to just be one thing. I, I, and I try and encourage that with my children. 
you know, Becky's right. This is inspiring stuff. And I'm just getting visions of you now in kind of the leather jacket with the collar up. <laughs> it's yeah. brilliant. So, well, I mean, bizarrely, I was actually in the Full Monty a few years ago as well, the stage version of it, which was really quite a bit of embarrassing. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. But that, that was quite fun, especially when you're sort of, your stepdaughter and boyfriend and mother-in-law are in the audience. It's a bit, it's a bit awkward, you know. But anyway, you love it, really. You it love was it. Fun. It, was, it was fun. It was fun. So we've got, you know, coming out of this kind of legal environment, mm. deciding that wasn't for you before it had even begun to a certain extent, and then going into the navy, serving, feeling that massive amount of pride. We've got this kind of amateur dramatics element to you. We've got the loss. I mean, I just can't even imagine what your second proudest moment is going to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's a bit like I'm quite proud of myself for not letting failure stop me. I know that sounds like a strange thing because you sort of, we're talking here about success, but I, I do think it's important not to fear failure and to be, you know, not able to admit it. And I think that I'm quite proud of the fact that I really do not give up. And I don't consider myself to be a high flyer and I don't consider myself to be that good at that many things. But I do think that you can achieve a lot through just sheer persistence. And you and just said about the TA, didn't you? That you yeah, failed in the TA it, and yet it, it, you got well, up again. Yeah. And it was it was disappointing. But I think that, you, you know, there's you probably heard of the sort of phrase Walter Mitty, isn't there, where people pretend they do things and then because they sort of. Well, as I've always been, you know, I've been surrounded by military people who who are veterans of campaigns and been in the military for 20, 30 years at sort of a very significant level, you know, special forces, et cetera. And of course, you, but you just have to just accept that you, you didn't reach the bar at that point. And it was very difficult. It was just very disappointing to put yourself through that misery and then not get the end. But you've got to look at it well, like I didn't meet the standard. But you take that and you use it. And the fact is, I, I still experienced it. I still still did it. I just didn't quite get it, you know. And I don't feel you can be too disappointed at that because most people wouldn't even be able to get to the start line. It's so true. So I feel that, you know, that, and, and I think the other areas of failure, I mean, in some respects, even in the Navy, I, I didn't achieve what I wanted to. I, I put myself forward for the mine clearance diving officers course. I was a ship's diver, I was a bridge watch keeper, the standard things in the Navy. And I put myself forward for that course. And it's a three-month intensive diving program, mixed gas, closed circuit things, you know, a lot of physical elements, a lot of supervision. And I failed in the last two weeks of the three-month course. And it's it's pretty devastating at the time because mm. obviously it's you just think this is just a disaster. But you know, I just thought to myself, look, it's not worked, it's not happened. I don't want to just sit around in the Navy ad infinitum. I see there's a future somewhere else. And then I decided to put my notice in and then think, right, I'm going to try and move on to something else. So I feel that actually I've failed quite a lot of things, but I feel quite proud of myself for not letting that deter me from picking myself up and just yeah, moving on to something else. And, you know, and I, that's something I think that you, you can learn from in that sense that, you know, take it on the chin, you know, and, and really just get on with it. So that's my sort of, I suppose, proud of, sort of it's not really a particular moment. It's just more of a theme throughout yes. my life, really, a theme that I feel quite proud of. And it's a good thing to be proud of, particularly, I think, for men, because often, I mean, I work with men and mm. women, and often it's men who 
who are challenged by failure and their yeah. response to it a lot more than women. Yeah. And yet what you're saying is very interesting process that you go through because before you can have that conversation with yourself that says, right, it's not worked. What am I going to do next? You said you allowed yourself to feel it. So it's rubbish mm. and it's horrible and you know, it stings and it hurts and ugh, that kind of the horrible mm. sense of rejection, I suppose, that we get from that feeling of failure, both yes. from the judgment of others and the judgment of ourselves. Mm. And I think what's interesting about what I heard from you is you allow yourself to do that bit, mm. which is really important yes, in allowing ourselves to then bounce forwards. Yes, I agree. And I think it's also quite important. And I, I don't know if this is a modern sort of trait, but there is always a, a sense that people are trying to look for reasons which it wasn't their fault why they failed or why yeah. they didn't achieve something. Whereas actually sometimes it can be just that something that you've done or not done or something that was in your gift or just you're just not quite at that level not quite good enough because you can't be good at everything you know there's only one I don't know footballer at that level or or athlete or or successful singer yeah, or whatever so else and I, and I and I think that so it is you do sort of try and look for reasons and there are often more than one reason but ultimately you've only got yourself to hold accountable. Could have got there. And so, it, it, yeah. and I think you see it in sportsmen, don't you? And women, who, that, that some, everyone, all sportsmen and women fail at some point. Very rare for them to be, you know, undefeated or whatever. Yeah, and it's totally. how they deal with that. And some people can come back, some people don't. But you have. And what's interesting, I think, when you look at that element of failure is, you know, at the time it can feel crushing and you've got to pick yourself up and move on. And I always mm. think it's interesting to look at what comes after failure mm. you know because you could have gone down one path of you know being the diver or whatever but because that was closed that door for you what yeah. did you go on to do next and actually was that yeah. better than what was going to happen before yeah I mean in some ways looking back on it it probably was a good thing because I then decided to leave the yeah. Navy put my notice in and then in traditional RN style they send you down somewhere that no one wants to please I was in the Falklands <laughs> for seven months Oh my god! Which was which was it was interesting. To be fair, I, I did enjoy it, despite it being you know a long way from home for a long period. And when I left, it was also then a tricky period of of reestablishing myself because actually that was quite harsh because you go from being in a position of authority and having a certain feeling about life and being proud to actually trying to find a job. Yeah, and it's really quite difficult to readjust. But I, I was determined, and I just thought I didn't mind. I, I I just, you know, delivering leaflets for a period of time and then, you know, just doing all sorts of odd type of jobs and some paralegal work. And then I stumbled on a, some security work for a company that is called Aegis, who they actually eventually became very, very big and were bought out actually by Garda World, I think it was some time back. And, and I learned a lot from the founders of that business through seeing their growth for an early mm -hmm. stages. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I think that I could do this. Not better, but I thought, not at all, but I, I thought I, I'd like to do this have a, have my own business. I always found it interesting. I love um, this about you. You just see an opportunity and go for yeah, it. Yeah. I met my business partner, co founder, man of great experience, uh, Phil Batty, who was 18 years at Hereford and that kind of pedigree. And I met him on a super yacht project we were doing with some teaching and some some courses security courses and we met in palma mallorca yeah random and we just kept in touch and i think that 
we saw in each other and he's 17 years older than me so you know we, we were quite different but we saw in each other things that we equally didn't have you know I was mm. more of like the office person and the sort of business side of it with law and a bit of military experience and he was much more the operational more gravitas more client facing and we just struck up a friendship he already had the name mask because he set up a bit of a consulting thing and then we just sort of thought why don't we just do this properly together and it was again it was another leap of faith and when was that um, that what? was in 2005 wow and so you know, again, another giving up something, a risk, giving up the job to sort of no salary. How do you make a decision like that? Yeah, well, Because you're a family man yeah, as well. Yeah, well, that, well I mean. Not then, like, maybe. I, I, well, I'd probably be open about my past. I was actually married before. This is my second marriage. And actually, you know, even my first wife was very, very supportive of that. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And so, you know, you have to work it through together, don't you? So what who's going to be able to cope? Can you pay the bills? And so on. And, and yeah, I mean, and don't earn anything for a while, do you? No. You start your own business, you know. You, it's, it's a very lonely place. Totally lonely. Especially coming from something like the Navy. I know you'd been out of that for a while, but the Navy, there's such a sense of belonging. Mm. And Steve, one of our guests a few weeks ago, was talking about, you know, you're looked after. Every, every single need that you have is mm. catered to. You come out of that and you're already kind of bewildered. Mm. But then yeah. you're also putting your security at risk, your financial security at risk, and taking another yeah. massive step. Yeah. I think that sometimes I've, I've tried to view it, though, that, that you look at what's the worst case scenario. And again, you, you need to look at that, you know, can, can, you, can you fall back on something? I've never been one to, to you know, back your house and, sh- and shirt and everything on it on something I-, I think that you need to have some sort of reserve to fall yeah. back on you know what is the worst case well the worst case is could I still live here and make ends meet yes so so you know and I haven't got any savings yes I've got a good savings so I think that there's a sort of it's a calculated risk yeah it's not it's not a reckless risk considered yeah it's mm-hmm. a considered one and mm-hmm. I think that you have to give up things to be able to gain things I think when yeah. you start a business because you, you just simply it, it doesn't happen overnight it can take years and I think that you know that's what entrepreneurs I suppose have that sort of instinct about and, and I think the love of it if you look at people that are successful I suppose it's partly a love of it rather than necessarily because they think they're going to make any money out of it and that doesn't mean that you're not working hard because you love doing something it just means mm. that you you don't mind putting the graft in Correct. To actually make yeah. it into something. So tell me about MAST now then, because mm. we're sort of, what, 15, 16, 17 years down the line. My maths is shocking. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, again, that's been a journey and a half. You know, I've had this sort of full support of my wife, who wasn't at the time, because I, I got divorced, and then fortunately these things happen. Second um, marriages are always best, though, I can say that. Yeah, it's difficult. I, I don't have any regrets, because I don't like to think it in that way. But I think I feel a bit more mature, a bit more settled in my own mind in some ways. And and so that, that's been a great help and strength through the business, because I've always felt even in the very, very dark down days of running a business that you sort of come back to what's really important, actually. So it gives you quite a good anchor point. Mm. But there's been a lot of down and down times with the business because we had period of exponential growth and that sort of excitement around a certain sector where you could just you know, it doesn't matter how you could be completely stupid and still make money, you know, it's almost like that. 
bit like the dot-com boom. Yeah. And then you get into the proper, the where it plateaus, and then it starts getting serious, and then things go wrong. And that's where you really have to, like, draw upon your skills and other people's skills, quite frankly. And there was a period of considerable restructuring, which in reality means cutting, doesn't it? Yeah. The euphemism for cutting. So, so, and that period of restructuring was was a very, very interesting learning period because I think it's when you really understand about how businesses work and what you really need to do. And then the sort of third phase of master's boat has been regrouping and properly diversifying and professionalizing certain elements of what we're doing, recognizing that what we did before is not going to be for the future, and actually starting up a new new areas of the company. And your friend that you mentioned earlier, Becky, is is yeah. a sort of key part of that in the sense that we used to look much more at maritime and only maritime. Now we're actually soon to launch a new website where it's land and sea. Nice. So we're still involved with the maritime stuff, you know, security, West Africa, Indian Ocean, you know, all those sort of interesting things. But we also now look on our doorstep and think, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the UK that we can gainfully do and we are doing. So, you know, we're on the sort of, trajectory of growth again we're not as big as we once were but I think we've got a good chance and we're back in that pattern that you have of kind of seizing opportunities seeing them yeah and then allowing yourself to go there it's it's a real well I've heard it three or four times already today yes well and I think also and I follow quite a lot of these sort of business leaders on YouTube and Facebook or what have you and I think that it's really interesting to listen to some of these very very successful people who mm. constantly remind you that it's in fact as a business owner or entrepreneur you you almost work for the people around you rather than the other way around yeah that's service um, there's Gary Vaynerchuk the yeah extremely successful very kind of straightforward talking American chap you know says that and I think you know I think it's true you have to recognize the people around you are going to be the ones that are going to do the business really and you're just tweaking the levers and looking at the sort of direction and strategy and sort of, I think culture actually of the business is vital oh absolutely you know, and diversity like, yeah I, I really believe that if you look at the culture of, of things it, it, it sets the tone sets the scene really and you'll be the creator of the culture ultimately because it'll come from yeah. you but what's interesting for me looking at your business as I did in setup for this is is the diversity of it because you know so often in the security sector you do get that horrible term that is being banded around now the pale Mm. male stale term but actually that isn't what you see when you open up your website and you look at your people at a senior level there's a real mix of diversity there which is great the worry about that though and it has been a challenge is that how do you how do you then pitch your offerings your wares and sometimes diversifying, as I've seen in the past, can distract you from what the core of the business is and the actual value-creating elements of the business. And it can be destroyed by these things you think might work and they're bringing it down. So it's been quite challenging to get that right. And I don't think we quite hit the mix at the minute. We're not quite big enough. It's that kind of position where you think, right, okay, well, we think we've got the right recipe, but we just... It's Still experimenting. More often, yeah. And it, it, it ever-changing, isn't it? Globalisation has changed the world. I think the pandemic's changed it further. Mm. You can't really assume anything anymore. You know, I think everyone is becoming an expert because of Google, you know, in a sense, and everyone can find a better deal. 
it's great in some ways for consumers, but it just yeah. makes it extraordinarily difficult in some ways for certain sectors. And There's a, a huge dose of humility that sits behind you that is coming through everything that you say. So there isn't this sense that you've already made it, you've already got it, you're all brilliant at it. You're mm. coming to this saying, actually, you know, it, it can be tough and it is hard yeah. and we've not nailed it. And, and that shows that kind of relentless pursuit of yeah whatever perfection might be and that you don't believe that you've got there which is good to hear yeah i mean i think that one probably one of my faults with that and i think in a sense unfortunately the culture of mars has never been quite i wouldn't say aggressive because that's probably the wrong word but i think it probably could be more tenacious um, maybe forward leaning and, and more sales focused sometimes we, we've been more about delivery of and sometimes you need to be a bit more I wouldn't say arrogant, but a bit more forward-leaning, as you said about we actually know what we're talking about here and we're better than these people. So I think that that would be the one area that we need to improve on. But, but you've recognised yeah. that, so that's the For first sure. step, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what about the third one then? We might have covered it already, but is well, it we've sort it of different? touched on it. I mean, I'm quite... From a personal perspective, I'm 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 am quite proud of of my family. I think you know what where I've got to. I, I can't deny that that is an important part of of a person. Yeah. So I'm quite proud. Of, although they're they, they're maddening, aren't they, children? You've got four boys, haven't <laughs> yeah, you? And then four, a stepdaughter. And, uh, yeah. So I've got stepdaughter <laughs> four, and then uh, four sons: ten, eight, seven, and four. So it's a pretty busy household. Lots of fighting. It's just um, unbelievable. I can't but, but even I'm, imagine it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's hellishly expensive as well, isn't it? But no, I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of my wife as well. I think, you know, the way she, she's got a very interesting story, actually, to be honest, as well. Comes from a very sort of ordinary background, had a child young and, and so on. And it's also musical, music and drama teacher. And so she's oh, wow. also got a fascinating story and has been very supportive. So I'm quite proud of that that whole setup and and. I suppose the anchor that it gives to me when I'm away or whatever I'm doing, it's it feels like it's a sort of reason, you know. Apart from, you know, being a business person is a good thing and it's exciting, but it's also there's a sort of reason. There's a it. purpose, yeah. Yeah. What sort of advice would you give these boys of yours then as they start to grow up and make their decisions yeah. about life? Well, I'm, all, I'm kind of already doing it with them. And I'm saying to them, look, you know, you've been given a good opportunity with me and your mum and, and the setup, but it's about that determination, I think. I, I, and I think that, you know, do not take anything for granted. You will find things difficult in life. You know, one of the boys, my oldest son, William, is dyslexic, which is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and I, but, but don't give up. Look at the successful dyslexics out there. And there's a lot of them. You just have a different talents so yeah. I think that you know that sense of you know the things that I've been proud of about not letting failure stop you don't give up you know absolutely tenacious keep going I love that, would that, would that be part of your secret to success then would you say yes I think that it is you know the tenacity the the constant fine-tuning not not an over an over belief of, of your own ability you know think to others and, and reach out to others but certainly, I do believe determination and tenacity is an important feature of success. Um, it's funny, I've written the word determined yeah. down yeah. and courageous um, down for you. Mm. I mean, just that's just you in a nutshell. 
Yeah, I mean, when I think of courageous, I tend to think of some sort of courageous in a in a military sense, and I don't feel that. But I suppose courageous in in a in a more limited way, yes, because I've you know there's been a lot of roadblocks along the way. Yes, of course, mm-hmm. many others have had many more, but certainly, you know, I don't I don't give up easily, and, I and I'm not shaken by by the, the sort of failure of it. I think you can always strip it back down to what things are important, family. You know, I'm, I suppose I'm. I am a religious person. I I, I do have a, a Christian faith wavers, but you know it's there in the background, which I think is yeah. also quite an important anchor. I mm. say in 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 modern life, you know, and I I think even if there's doubts, you know, it's, it's Pascal's wager concept. You know, you think that there's there's, there's there's possibly something. Why not? Why not? Why discount it? So I I think that those sort of features are an important aspect success because i think if you if you back the horse and it's so important that nothing else matters then you then when it is so much risk and then you think well i can't cope whereas if you think well look i'm going to give this my best business or whatever and it doesn't work out so what still got got roof over my head it's still got you know that kind of thing you know sort of what they say on titanic air in my lungs or whatever yeah leonardo dicaprio and it's a good philosophy isn't it because ultimately none of it matters the thing I really pick up on, and it's rare actually for somebody in your position, you know, the head of a successful company and the career that you have, there's a real crushing of the ego. You know, mm. your ego isn't coming out front and center before you, the human being. Mm. It's almost like you've been able to push the ego aside and you're able to come with, you know, the things that have gone wrong and the things that you've learned along the way and you're able to share those in this kind of vulnerable way if we want to use that word but actually coming with these lessons of you know it does take that determination to not give up to get back up again and to try something else and it's through those kind of relentless I'm going to get up and go again Mm -hmm. that you've created the success that you are enjoying and and what you're saying is it's not always easy even no. when you run in a, a big company, there are times when it's tough and there are times mm. when it's great and you're kind of you're having to roll with those punches. Yeah, I think that sometimes humility and showing weakness can actually be quite quite a strong thing to oh, do. Totally it can. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a balance, of course, because you don't want to give people, and sometimes perhaps I can be too honest about it, and that can shake some people because they then fear for their jobs or whatever. But uh, or other in other circumstances but I do th- I do feel that you know when you get people that are just a big I am and are arrogant it, it just can be quite off-putting I totally agree you know and I think you look at leaders throughout history I mean although they're there they're often quite humble people and they do show humility and, and stuff like that. So I think it's a fine balance but it but is certainly certainly that's the way I think you've got to be natural haven't you you've got to be natural to yourself you've got to be who you are and you, everyone's got a style, everyone's got, you, you, you can't fake it. So we're back to think. my favourite word, authenticity. Yeah, I think and, so. And that's yeah. who you are, personified. Yeah. It's brilliant. I like, to, I like to try to be authentic, yeah. It's brilliant, honestly. And I think you've got to laugh at yourself as well, I mean, in business, in life. I just think you, if, you, if you just, you can't, if you can't laugh at yourself, you, it's, it's a problem. I mean, I think that that humour and then being, you know, humble can, can, you can still tell someone off and criticise them, can't you? And actually do it with a sort of smile, actually. Yeah. Do it with that, that yeah. heart bit as well. Yeah. yeah, for sure. 
Oh, do you know, Becky, when she wrote to me and as I said, she said, oh, this guy, you need to interview him. He's really inspirational. And you really are. And not in the kind of, you know, you're not coming on. I'm not paying you for this interview either. (laughs) You've come on and you've shared a really inspirational story, but in a way that so many people will be able to relate to because it's accessible to all of us. You know, it's not sort of I've made billions of pounds or I've saved 25 lives. It's, you know, I've had one setback after another setback Mm. and and I've got up again and and actually just kept clawing your way up. Yeah. I I think most people can do something similar, really, if I'm honest, in in, in whatever career or whatever path they choose. I mean, you know, when you sort of said the question about what what is success, I mean, again, it depends on your definition, doesn't it? And some people's success can be financial, some can be, you know, philanthropic or or service in some way, and and that that's right for you, isn't it? For, for the the individual, that's what success is. It's what Absolutely. you set for yourself, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, just do you. Don't be disheartened by you know. Don't don't set yourself to that's that's everything. You know, Brilliant. be happy. I suppose be happy with yourself, with your own in your own skin. Be happy with yourself. Yeah, I mean, your uh, own you get happy, skin. don't you? I mean, you, you just, you can be a lot. You, what they say, you're a long time dead. I mean, it's yeah. that sense, isn't it? I mean, you know, you have to be grateful, I suppose. Yeah, and seize the day. Mm. I like that kind of yeah. element of you, seize the day. But be happy with you in your own skin. I think that is the, uh, the quote of the podcast. Philip, it has been an absolute joy. Thank, Thank you, you very much for no. being so open and honest. Pleasure. I was fascinating to talk to you and it's, it's, not, it's yeah, delighted. It's been a joy. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.